This is the Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters. And I'm Marcus Harvey. Ever since the unfortunate events of August 11th and 12th in Charlottesville, Virginia, communities have been embroiled in discussions about the legacy of the American Civil War and the Civil War's leaders. Even here in North Carolina, the governor has called for the removal of monuments commemorating the Confederacy. Unavoidable, this has prompted discussions about the legacy of North Carolina Civil War governor and Buncombe County native Zebulon Vance. Today on the Waters and Harvey Show, we'll, talk, we'll take a look at this ongoing conversation about Zebulon Vance and his legacy. Marcus and I will be back in a moment. Again, this is the Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters, and I'm always happy and pleased to be here with my brother and co-host, Dr. Marcus Harvey. Marcus, how is it going, especially since the semester has started? <laughs> Somehow I'm here, but I'm glad to be here. How about you? I'm hanging on, teaching <laughs> classes, but glad to be here in the studio with you. Glad to have the opportunity to talk about what has become a very hot topic, Zebulon Vance. You know, Marcus, you, many of you in the audience, and Marcus, as you know, I spent my time working on the late 19th century for my doctoral dissertation uh, in writing about this period. So I came to know Zebulon Vance in a, a kind of an intimate way. So it's interesting to be involved in this conversation and to have the opportunity to talk about it a little bit more. Yeah, and uh, for a recent um, uh, research project that I completed, um, I actually had to do a little bit of uh, of uh, research into, into who Zebulon Vance was, into his significance for the area. Um, and I discovered among many other things, that um, he's known to have delivered a speech in the late 18, I think it was 1868 in Rutherford, uh, wherein this is a three-plus hour-long speech wherein he drew a parallel between uh, social equality and black supremacy. Uh, So this is an interesting uh, and problematic figure on on a number of levels. And I'm telling you, many of our audience uh, members will remember or recall we had a conversation with uh, historian Steve Nash Mm -hmm. along Mm -hmm. those same lines about his book uh, Rag- Reconstruction's Ragged Edge and um, so this is this is a complex period of, our, of American mm-hmm. history as we know you and I've had conversations as well about history and historical memory especially mm-hmm. the collective historical memory and I think that one thing that I've heard from people who have heard those shows and those conversations that we've had about uh, his, the, our collective historical memory have agreed that we're talking about something that can get rather complex. Yeah and, and I think one of the questions that our our shows raise and that your own work raises, brother, is that um, is is American collective historical memory truly collective? Right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, whose whose memory is included? Um, uh, to what degree is that is that memory being policed, right. actively policed right. in order to exclude other historical narratives. Right. Yeah. We've made the point that it's a political process. Historical memory can become, especially the collective historical memory, becomes a political process. Mm-hmm. Decisions are made about what is included and what is left out of that. Now, we have this uh, event that will be coming up uh, in, very soon here at UNC Asheville, a symposium on Zebulon Vance entitled Zebulon Vance Reconsidered. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in this conversation today. Um, we're going to talk with two experts on Zebulon Vance. We'll be talking with Vance biographer Dr. Gordon McKinney, and we'll be talking with Miss Kimberly Floyd, site manager of the Governor Zebulon Vance birthplace and state historic site in Weaverville, North Carolina. So if you all would just stay with us here for a few minutes, Marcus and I will be back in a few minutes with the rest of this conversation. Mm-hmm. 
Again, if you're just joining us, this is the Waters and Harvest Show. And again, I'm Darren Waters, and we are having a conversation about North Carolina's Civil War Governor Zebulon Vance and the ongoing national discussion about the legacy of the Confederacy and the Civil War. And thank you all for staying with us and joining us in the audience. And we are so happy, Marcus and I are, happy and very honored to be joined in the studio by Dr. Gordon McKinney, who's Professor Emeritus from Berea College in Kentucky, and by Ms. Kimberly Floyd, Site Manager at Governor Zebulon Vance Birthplace and State Historic Site in Weaverville, North Carolina. Welcome to the show, and thank you all for joining us. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It is very good to have you. There are many places, you all, where we could start with this conversation. But, Kimberly, since you're the site manager at at this Vance birthplace, we wanted to kind of start with you. And um, and and where I would start here is that given recent events, um, have you seen a greater interest in Zebulon Vance and and the birthplace. How are things going out there in Weaverville? Yes, we definitely have seen a uh, a greater interest, um, mainly just from phone calls. Um, you know, we've had more people calling, wanting to know um, just who he is. That happens on a regular basis at the site anyway. A lot of people are coming in off the parkway, seeing the mm-hmm. sign, and coming into the site and saying, I saw this brown sign that says the birthplace of Zebulon Vance. Who's that? <laughs> um, but definitely with recent events, um, we've gotten a lot uh, of more attention and calls um, from locals, from people who mm-hmm. live in the area. Um, and they, they vary. Um, I think a lot of calls are coming because people uh, – are uh, hearing about the monument downtown, and they they think that um, that is also they can maybe confuse it okay. with the Vance mm-hmm. birthplace, mm-hmm. and so they call and they ask if the Vance birthplace is going to be closed. They'll ask, you know, um, ask us questions about the Vance monument. And to be honest, the site um, the site is different. It's run by the state, and the monument mm-hmm. is owned by the city. Uh, so. I have no control <laughs> over the Vance Monument and can't really speak to the Vance Monument right. at all. Um, but I can talk about the site and I can talk about what we do there. Um, I've had quite a few calls. People, most of it is just concerned that people that the site is going to be closed. Okay. Um, so and uh, you know I've I've told some people this story about um, you know people calling. Yeah, it's saying, a good story. Yeah, the, the story <laughs> yeah, about yeah. we had a phone call recently where someone asked if the site was going to be closed and then um, said if it was if if wondered if they could purchase one of our historic buildings so <laughs> it's it's been an interesting learning experience that's wow. right. well, well kimberly is, is interesting i was talking to someone recently um who isn't from Asheville. this person's from the north and uh, you know we were having a sort of a casual conversation and I, and I mentioned the vance monument to him and despite the fact that he, he'd been living here for about three years he had never even heard of the vance monument um so, so i'm curious so, so you mentioned it's some folks have called asking, you know, who is Zebulon Vance? Mm-hmm. Um, have you received other kinds of questions about Zebulon Vance in the site, or is, has, has that been the main question that you've been posed? That is really the main question that we get. Okay. Um, the main question that people call about, the main question, um, you know, people, when they come into the site, that is the first thing. If they don't know anything or they see the sign, that's the first thing they ask, uh, which which can be difficult um, to summarize Zebulon Vance in a mm-hmm. sentence or two mm-hmm. when someone walks mm-hmm. in. Um, so... 
a lot of times we'll say, you know, well, <laughs> his story is quite long. <laughs> okay. We have a lot here that we can teach you about. And we'll mention, you know, a lot of people, if they do know him, know him as our Civil War governor, um, but that he was actually governor more than once mm-hmm. and served in the Senate and did quite a few things that we can we can talk about at the site. So Right. And um, I think one thing that you just mentioned there that's really important to understand about Vance, that it's a very long career you know Mm -hmm. that starts before the civil war and we'll talk to dr mckinney a little bit about Mm -hmm. that in just a few minutes but i think some people you know just kind of uh focus in on the civil war period failing to realize that he had been an active political leader from the western region of this Mm -hmm. state uh long you know before the civil war and that's an important part of the story but kimberly i know that you all at the site went through a rewrite of your exhibit there um and i was happy to have the the opportunity to be there I think when you all opened the new exhibit and can you tell us a little bit about that process how did that go (laughs) (laughs) well I can only speak to it a little bit I'm actually um, somewhat new to this site Uh, I started at the Vance birthplace a little over a year ago so I started in June and the exhibit uh, open in May. The, no, so I, I, I have just, to ask. <laughs> Did you know what you were getting yourself into? Uh, no. <laughs> well, that's not true. I had a little bit of knowledge about mm-hmm. what I was getting myself into. Um, <laughs> and it's been great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, it's. Uh, I started and um, the exhibit was already up. I did go to the site and visit the site just as your average visitor mm-hmm. um, years before. So I had seen the origi- what was there for 50 years. Years right. before they did this rewrite. Um, so I can tell you that it is definitely um, just more encompassing. It's got a, a lot more context. It's talking um, about all of Zebulon Vance's life. Now, the exhibit is great too because in the last, um, you know, with in the last quite a few years actually, um, our tours and our programs and what we do at the site, honestly, is not really focused on Zebulon Vance. Mm -hmm. Um, We have the birthplace, and Zebulon Vance was born there um, in 1830, but he doesn't grow up there. So Mm -hmm. we spend a lot of time talking about mountain life and culture in the Mm -hmm. early 1800s. Um, And that's what our site is really more about. We're talking about his father and his grandfather. We, I mean, I mentioned the Revolutionary War more than I do the Civil War. Right. So um, the exhibit is good because it helps and it talks a little more specifically about Zebulon Vance, the man, and what happens um, as he grows up and right. his career. So. Right. And Kimberly, that kind of raises the question for me of um, what prompted the rewrite in the first place. Could you just speak to that a little bit? What Was it simply an interest in sort of adding more to the story that the site sort of circulates, or were there other motivating factors that led to the rewrite? Um, I can't honestly really speak to that because I wasn't okay. working at the site. Okay. Um, so I can't tell you what what the what was kind of the push behind it necessarily um just because you know i I wasn't there when they made the decision and started working on it i know that it's been in a process and in the works for a long time so it definitely it wasn't done overnight it's been something that's been wanted for a very very long time it was supposed to be let's just say the exhibit that was in there was supposed to be temporary and it was there for 50 years (laughs) 
but some okay. of that just has to unfortunately has to do with funding and fundraising right. and okay. you know when you get that support then you mm-hmm. can start to move forward and these these sites become very important because it, it is the place where many people get their history mm-hmm. and so i know with that rewriting including more and contextualizing the story a little bit more was an important part of mm-hmm. what was driving the effort there and this is something that i think that's going on on a lot at a lot of historic sites mm-hmm. if, if i'm not mistaken on that but fantastic work that you're doing out there what what i'd like to do is bring dr mckinney in here you know dr mckinney has had an illustrious illustrious career as a historian he's published four major books and um and what i'd like to do is get him to tell us a little bit uh a little bit about his academic work and his academic background but before he does it i I do have to say this that um as a host here on the show that i am deeply indebted to the work of dr mckinney (laughs) because anyone who's read my own dissertation and what i'm working on a manuscript now for a book will know that i relied on his work a lot in that dissertation so this is someone who I am deeply honored and privileged to have here in the studio with us to have this conversation. But Dr. McKinney, I would just can you tell us a little bit about your academic work and your background? I uh, am a mountain person, but it's the White Mountains of New Hampshire <laughs> rather than uh, the Smokies and Black Mountains of Western North okay. Carolina. Mm-hmm. I, my first interest was with my dissertation, and it was on Southern Mountain Republicans. And when I was doing that work, Zeb Vance was the enemy. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) He he was he was the problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so when I did the biography of Vance. I was coming at it in a very different way than a lot of people who had previously written about mm-hmm. Vance. Mm-hmm. That uh, when Vance said, well, I had to go with the Confederacy, all of my friends were going that way, I knew darn well that there were 5,000 white Western North Carolinians that fought in the Federal Army right. mm. and went through great deprivation uh, to do that. Right. And that when Vance said he had to, he didn't have to. Right. And it, this and this complicates the story yes, uh, of the Civil War, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to touch on that in just a few minutes. Now, you mentioned your book. I want to mention the title mm-hmm. of the book because it's the most recent biography of, of Zebulon Vance, which is entitled Zeb Vance, North Carolina Civil War Governor and Gilded Age, Poli- Gilded Age Political Leader. And it's a book that I highly recommend if you have the opportunity to go out and get this book, to get this book very well written, just as all of your work has been. And this is a, another book that I think that many readers would enjoy. Yeah. Now, Dr. McKinney, you mentioned that your position on Vance um, isn't necessarily common. Could you say a little bit more about what distinguishes your, your, your particular position on Vance and on his career? Uh, first, um, I think I brought to it, as I indicated, a certain skepticism about what Vance had to say. Secondly, I was part of a project that produced the microfilm uh, version of the Vance Papers. So 
I literally read everything that Seb Vance wrote. (laughs) (laughs) And and thirdly, uh, my interest was not necessarily in the Civil War. It was really in the post-war period. Mm -hmm. And the thing that distinguishes this biography from other biographies is the concentration on the period after 1865. Right, okay. Right. And because in, in you look a little uh, at the Civil War period. Oh, sure. Can, sure. You, can you tell us, uh, Dr. McKinney, what did you find? Because, you know, this is a period, in, you know, that I look at in my own dissertation, in my own work, and I've, I've had a, a few public comments to say about, the, about Zebulon Vance and his career and how complex a political figure he is. It's not just as simple uh, and cut and dry as many people think. And especially for Buncombe County in western North Carolina, when you look at the politics of this state, which you, you look um, – deeply at the politics of this state during the post-war period in your book, uh, Mountain Republicans. But what is clear to me when you look at the Civil War period, and you've also, along with John Insko, have uh, looked at Western North Carolina during the Civil War period in um, the heart of Confederate Appalachia. If you, that's another book that I would highly recommend that our uh, listeners go out and pick up and read. But the western part of the state, as a native of this this uh, region of the state as well, I know that this is a part of the state that's almost treated as the stepchild of the state, you know, especially during the antebellum period. And you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but as I look at Vance as a political leader, especially before the war, I kind of see him as someone who gives voice to the western region of the state in a way that no other political leader up to that time really had done um, in the state. Is that – is that uh, – Well – that's not quite right. The person most identified with Western North Carolina was Thomas Lanier Klingman, mm. who was actually an obstacle in the way of Vance's own political career. Yeah, that's right. And uh, the two men didn't like each other for a variety of reasons. Mm. Two extremely large egos. Uh, Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Vance was a very young man when he entered politics, and he ran for city council in Asheville first. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, he was challenged for not being old enough And uh, he told them that he apologized for that, and he would ask his parents to do better next time. (laughs) (laughs) So so that when he became governor, he was only 32 years old. Very young. Very young. Um, So so what – you know, if we look at him – here, what what does he mean to Western North Carolina um, politically? It's, is that a fair question to oh, ask? Oh, it's a very fair question. Uh, Vance was the architect of the Democratic Party after the Civil War in Western North Carolina. And uh, he was a spokesman for that party and the people who agreed with that party Mm -hmm. in Western North Carolina. However, it was very, very competitive here. Hmm. And uh, the year that he 
uh, died, the Republicans swept the state, uh, electing the legislature. That's right. That's right. And then in 1896, they elected a governor. The period of fusion. Yes, uh, that's right. And so we tend to think after the end of Reconstruction that the Democrats just took over. Mm -hmm. But the Republicans remained highly competitive, Mm -hmm. particularly out here in the West. West. And so every time there was a close election, Vance came West and gave his two- to three-hour short speech (laughs) 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 and aroused the faithful, and the Democrats usually would win by a thin margin. Mm -hmm. And when I say thin, often by fewer than a 1,000 votes in a congressional election. Well, Dr. McKinney, thanks for providing additional context to my earlier comment. About <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, we, we have to ask this question. So in recent years, we have seen, seen an upsurge in debates about the Civil War, how the Civil War is remembered, uh, questions about what what is the legacy of people like Washington, Jefferson, and others. What are your thoughts about, about this debate? Um, First of all, I'm very, very happy that this debate is taking place. Uh, for all of us who teach at universities, we often wonder if what we're doing has any relevance <laughs> to everyday life. Right. Uh, and now, uh, at least in, in my case, uh, I'm part of the real conversation here, and and I think that's very, very valuable. The problem is that both the war itself and the commemoration of the war Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. are very complex topics. And the result is that simplified versions of both have become the major explanation in the public domain. Right, right, right. And so this discussion that's developed is uh, very, very helpful in introducing the broader public to the complexities of the situation. Well, there's going to be an opportunity for the public to engage this uh, with with academics, with experts who have studied this period in advance very closely. And Kimberly, you've been involved with that, and we get you both to kind of come in here to, to spend a few minutes just talking about this upcoming symposium. Um, entitled Vance Reconsidered at uh, UNC Asheville, September 14th and 15th, um, just coming up around the corner here. Now, I know, Kimberly, you, you, were, in the, you were in the lead on um, <laughs> giving us this thing that we now have at the You're university. Which, so, <laughs> so can, can you and Dr. McKinney, you're, you're intimately involved in this project as well. Yeah. Can you tell us, so what prompted this? Because this, the planning for this started long before mm-hmm. this, yep. you know, what happened in Charlottesville, Virginia, that's giving us the current climate that we're, we, we now exist in. But just tell us a little bit about what prompted this symposium. Um, sure. Uh, yeah, we, we actually started the planning um, last October. Um, so I had reached out to um, Dan Pierce in the history department at UNC Asheville. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the first things I said to him is uh, I said, you know, um, I'm still fairly new. I had only been there a couple months. 
I've worked in museums and public history sites, um, you know, for the last 11 years. And I don't think I've ever seen someone so loved or so hated. I said people come to the site or anyone talks to me about Vance and they either love Vance or they hate Vance. And um, I said, I think now's the time to have a conversation Mm -hmm. and to start getting the public to think about it a bit more. And he said, I think you're right. And then we, from there, kind of. <laughs> and, and, and now here we are. And now here we are. <laughs> now, Dr. McKinney, you're involved in this project as well. Can you tell us a little bit about what, you know, what um, initiated your involvement in the project, other than the fact that you, you're the latest biographer of Vance? Uh, well, Kimberly uh, <laughs> kidnapped me <laughs> into this. But, but I'd like to uh, point out something I think is terribly important, and that is that on the 14th, we will have Professor David Blight yes. of Yale University as the speaker. And he is internationally renowned as a person who talks about how we construct historical explanations. Right. And uh, he will set the tone for the entire conference. Mm -hmm. And he will pose the questions that we will be addressing on the second day. Mm -hmm. And uh, his role is absolutely crucial. And uh, then we will have a panel discussion uh, with uh, three people who are familiar with Vance mm-hmm. in, in a variety of ways. Right. Uh, and then, Kimberly, we will end with what? We, uh, so in the afternoon session, we actually have uh, Sharon McCrum, mm-hmm. um, a yes. local author who's yes. written quite a bit of um, a couple historical fictions uh, utilizing Zebulon Vance. And so we'll be looking at um, Vance's role in fiction and what role that plays in his understanding of his legacy and the interpretation of it. Right. Yep. Well, it sounds like this this is uh, an important conversation. It may be uncomfortable for for some people, but an important conversation. So, very quickly, um, what do you hope uh, in terms of uh, the outcome of this symposium? What do you what outcomes are you hoping for? What do you think? Um, or what are you hoping will emerge as a result of these conversations around Zebulon Vance? I hope that people will not only understand Vance as a person, okay. but that they will understand the context in which he operated. Mm-hmm. And for him, it was local and state and national. national. Mm-hmm. And one thing that we tend to forget about Vance is that in the late 19th century, with rising anti-Semitism, He gave a speech 90 times. That was a way to raise money. (laughs) Uh, Called the Scattered Nation, uh, which was a celebration of the history of the Jewish people. And so there's complexity not only in what he did politically, but also in the way he dealt with popular culture in its own time. Well, Dr. McKinney and Kimberly, thank you all for being here and for discussing this topic with us. And the term that you used in that complexity, and this is a very complex subject, and I think that we'll get a a deeper understanding of that at this coming symposium. So Marcus and I will be right back in just a moment. 
Again, this has been the Waters and Harvey Show. Marcus, this has been a rich conversation with Dr. McKinney and Kimberly Floyd talking about this upcoming symposium, talking about Zebulon Vance, and there's more that we could explore with this particular topic. And I would just say, I think one of the points that was made over the course of the conversation that, that stood out to me was the importance of introducing, and I think um, this is the way Dr. McKinney put it, introducing the public to the complexity mm-hmm. around Zebulon Vance and the, hi- and, and the history of the Civil War, et cetera. And I think that's an important move to make, just letting people know that this is a complex history. Right. And see, you always find the perfect way to end uh, these conversations. <laughs> and I really do appreciate you. You become masterful at that. And Marcus <laughs> and I, for you all in the audience, just want to remind you again that the Waters and Harvest Show is produced at Blue Ridge Public Radio in Asheville, North Carolina. And you can listen to our podcast on BPR.org, on the BPR mobile app, and on iTunes and Google Play. And we hope that you will follow us and get in touch on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you again for joining us. We'll see you next time.